Now when Jesus heard that John had been arrested, he withdrew to Galilee. He left Nazareth and made his home in Capernaum by the sea in the territory of Zebulun and Naphtali, so that what had been spoken through the prophet Isaiah might be fulfilled. Land of Zebulun, land of Naphtali, on the road by the sea, across the Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles, the people who sat in darkness have seen a great light. And for those who sat in the region in shadow of death, light has dawned. From that time, Jesus began to proclaim, repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. As he walked by the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, who is called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And he said to them, follow me, and I will make you fish for people. Immediately they left their nets and followed him. As he went from there, he saw two other brothers, James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John, in the boat with their father Zebedee, mending their nets, and he called them. Immediately they left the boat and their father, and they followed him. Jesus went throughout Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom, and curing every disease and every sickness among the people. This is the gospel of the Lord. Well, good morning. It's good to be here with you on this joyous occasion, on this wonderful day. Once again, uh, my name is Pastor Dan Forehand, and I serve as assistant to the bishop for ministry transition here in the Indiana-Kentucky Synod. Lots of strange words there. The Synod is one of 65 regional groups across the country, including the Bahamas and the Caribbean as well. And we belong with 169 other congregations in the state of Indiana and the Commonwealth of Kentucky who uh, come together who worship together, who share in God's goodness together. And so I bring you greetings from Bishop Bill Guffian, our bishop, who many of you met yesterday at the ordination of Kogan. And today we celebrate his installation. When I took this position, I wondered what would be the most difficult part of it. And it turns out that it's microphones. Uh, Those of you who are at the early service this morning saw that Pastor Mark and I do not have the same size of ears. And so sharing the microphone just did not work, and apparently I've broken his microphone now as it keeps shorting out on him too. So uh, I'm not used to preaching in a a cage, so uh, hopefully I'll I'll do okay. But I want to thank you for the partnership and the work that we do together. The mission support that you send to the Synod allows us to, to walk with people throughout the world through ELCA World Hunger, which also the kids of this congregation have done so much with in the last year. It helps us to partner with those who have experienced disaster within our territory. In the last year or so, tornadoes in uh, Kentucky and and terrible floods in Kentucky as well. We're doing lots of great work on the ground there. It also helps people like me in my role to walk with future pastors to, to discern what they might be called to and where they might be called to. And so it's good to be here on this day together. I told you yesterday, and many of you were there, that he was ordained yesterday. It's a fancy church word that means he's been brought into a new understanding of who he is as a child of God. Basking in the mercy and grace of God and and called to serve the church as a pastor. And today he is installed, similar to what people used to do with floppy disks into a computer to put on some new software. We're going to do that with him. Shove him into the church so that he can come and serve you joyfully. He's, yeah, there's, there's people younger than me who are like, floppy disk, what are you, what are you, you know, look, Google it. 
he's completed his seminary training. He's done his CPE, clinical pastoral education. He had a great internship. But the question today's gospel makes us really wonder, though, about him is can he fish? Can he fish? I mean, this is not necessarily like a fishing town, but it could be one day. This reading from from Matthew's gospel I just read a few minutes ago says that the most important characteristic of beginning your work as a disciple of Jesus is your ability to cast a net. Somebody, yeah, see? One person each, at, each, at each service got that joke immediately, which is great. Uh, cast a net, to fish, to throw a net out there. Jesus doesn't call his followers people who are the religious elite, not people who wear these stoles and, and albs and other vestments, but he seems to call ordinary people like Simon and Andrew, people who are just fishing and who have a great curiosity about who this Jesus might be and what this invitation to follow him might mean. Curiosity, wonder, awe, these are the characteristics of a disciple. And this is no knock against Kogan or against any other pastor, but I wonder sometimes if we as pastors forget that awe and wonder and curiosity and passion are really some of the more important gifts that we should bring to this strange and wondrous calling. I mean, I've heard a lot of great sermons. My family and I, we started, uh, we moved to Indianapolis in October, and we're actually in the process of joining this church. You won't see me very often, but you'll see my wife Kim and our two girls, Naomi and Annika, often in the back over there. And one of the first sermons I heard, there was a picture on this wall of, of a baby that was pooping all over the, uh, the arm of its parent. And I said, this is the church for us. <laughs> so again, lots of great sermons, but many of the times that I've seen God most clearly have been times where I've seen the compassion a nurse shows for her patient or the gentleness of a teacher or a parent who works with a student or a child who is struggling I think about the grace that my mechanic shows to me every time I ask him, how do I reset this oil light on my dashboard? A child who is demonstrating in his or her own way how to share. A teenager who shows me what unconditional love and forgiveness mean and look like. The widow in the nursing home who embodies hope in a way that I never could. These are sermons, these are teachings, these are ways of embodying God's love that that we can't deliver from this place. All of these individuals who love Jesus and want to follow him and maybe don't have all the flowery language, but but they embody it fully. I believe these are the modern day fisher people in our midst. And even today, as I've been among you, I've seen that and many of you as well. Sure, pastors are important. Amen. And we certainly celebrate that today, but I wonder if our real calling as pastors, as leaders in this church, is to just be people who point to what Jesus is doing through the seemingly ordinary places in our lives, and to point to where Jesus is transforming lives in the midst of the the challenges and the difficulties and the struggles that we face. This, This reading today, we see Jesus going to Capernaum in the the region of Zebulun and Naphtali, which may not mean much to us at all. But 
these, this region, maybe the, the modern day equivalent of them would be someplace like Ukraine or North Korea or Haiti or Burkina Faso. These, these places where there are beautiful children of God who are trying to live but have had terrible things thrown upon them through no fault of their own, through unjust leaders. Because in Jesus' day, when somebody thought about Naphtali or Zebulun, they'd immediately associate it as a place of death, a place of despair. You, you wouldn't want to go there. It's a place that sometimes people thought God had forgotten about, that the destruction that was there was so bad that surely God could not be there. But this is the place that Jesus chooses to make his home. This is the place where Jesus chooses to dwell and call disciples from. Not Jerusalem, where all the religious people live, but here, Capernaum, Naphtali, Zebulun. And Jesus shows up and brings them light and hope in the midst of their perceived darkness. And for the first people who heard these words from Jesus, this is a profoundly life-changing message. And for us, a couple thousand years later, it means that, that God still shows up in our Zebulun's and Naphtali's, whether a literal place or whether that place within us where we live in terror and despair and sadness and cannot see a possibility. The good news of this reading today is it's in that place where Jesus comes. It's in that place where Jesus speaks his words of hope. It's from that place where somehow, mysteriously, God empowers us in our work to be bearers of hope and love and light for the world. And that makes all the difference in the world. It's what fundamentally changes everything about who we are and this story that we continue today. And to tell that story, to embody that story, to live that story is the responsibility of teachers and fisher people and mechanics and doctors and police and real estate agents and counselors and students and toddlers and widows and retirees. And yes, even pastors should do that too. In a few minutes, we will bear witness on behalf of the entire church throughout the world that Kogan is called to do work in this place. We're going to take him on a field trip around this place. We'll walk him back to the font and remind him of the great privilege he has to baptize folk and to share with them the promises of God. We'll walk with him to the table, to this place where he will get to share the meal with you, the, the body and blood of Jesus, the, the gifts of forgiveness and grace. We'll walk him here to this place where the word of God is read and proclaimed and prayerfully ask God to help him to speak words that empower each of us to live into our calling to do this work together. Then you all will make some promises too. You're going to promise to pray for him, to support him and his growing family and to do this work together. And it'll be awesome. But I wonder if we should also talk to him about fishing about wandering around the community, about the ways that, and that he'll surprisingly proclaim God's love most clearly, and it may not be from up here. He'll be wandering, experiencing, wondering what it is that God has called him to, and then he will see it. He'll find these moments of grace where he affords that to others, and others afford it to him as well. It'll be in the times where he gets to go to whatever the Zebulun and Naphtali are in each of our lives. He will point to Jesus doing the work of redemption 
and sit present with you, with me, with each of us on this journey. So on behalf of the wider church, Kogan, I say thank you and praise God that you have said yes to this call. And I also say thank you and praise God for each of you and the ways that you have responded to God's call on your life. And most importantly, I say thank you and praise God for the gift of Jesus who comes into this world and teaches us a new way, who comes into this world and finds the places of terror in our lives and works to redeem it and transform it, who speaks hope in the midst of despair, who says the kingdom of God has come near, and so to you, the modern-day fisher people of Cross of Grace, may you welcome with love and generosity your new pastor. May you encourage him and support him in the work that he is called to do. And Kogan, may that be a mutual love as well that you share with these people, this incredibly beautiful, gifted group of modern-day fisher people. May you encourage them and support them in their work. And may all of us see the surprising, mysterious, miraculous presence of Jesus all around us all the time. And may each of us be filled with chili, I mean, with, with joy, this day and always. Thanks be to God. Amen.